Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Steve Barry is out with his latest installment in his Cotton Malone series. This time, Cotton works to unravel a mystery that dates back to the 4th century. I recently talked with Steve Barry about the Malta Exchange. Well, the Pope has died, a conclave has been called, yet a cardinal has fled Rome for Malta for some reason. What's he after? He's after something that dates back to the 4th century, and Cotton gets caught up in this, going after it. Now, this is not another let's find a secret and destroy the Catholic Church book. It really is not. In fact, it's just the opposite of that. This secret does anything but destroy the Church. And it's a, it's a story that deals with the Vatican and with the Holy See. There's a distinction between those two that I don't think many readers understand. And you're going to learn a lot about the Knights of Malta, which is a 900-year-old organization, the last of the warrior monks that are still out there today. They're a gigantic humanitarian organization now, but they have something from their past that has come back up to haunt them. And it's real, what I used from the past. And, uh, and it was fun to, to, uh, to deal with them. It was fun to deal with Malta, which is one of my favorite places in the world. But this book also deals with a particular secret involving Mussolini and World War II as well. I was going to say, I think it hits, it hits just about all the bases. You, you mentioned the, the, the Knights of Malta, and, um, and part of the mission here is to unravel this mystery around a trio of, of um, lost manuscripts, I, I, if you will. Uh, like, like all of your stories, they're, they're steeped in, in history, but separate some of the fact and, and from the fiction for us here. Well, it's about, I try to keep my books, that's my niche, about 90% to history, as close as I can, and here I did that. It, uh, it deals with something that happened in 325 A.D. in a town called Nicaea in Turkey. Uh, it was in that point that the bishops from all around the world were gathered together for the very first time. And they actually sat down in the summer of that year and defined what it meant to be a Christian. And that definition has held up to today. It's still there. Ninety-five percent of what they decided still is in place today. But there's some interesting things that happen at Nicaea that a lot of readers, I'm sure, will have no knowledge of. The interesting thing is we only have one account of that, of that event. Uh, there's, there's, there's really nothing other than the one account. But there are some tantalizing hints of things, and the novel deals with all of that. So the reader's going to get a pretty good education on that and learn uh, some things about Christianity that I'm sure they probably never knew. Religion and faith and maybe the intersection thereof is... is, is seems to be a backdrop in a, in a lot of your uh, in a lot of your stories and a lot of cotton's a, a adventures I'm thinking you know, lost order and and many of the others uh, what is it that you find or what is it that is so intriguing well I, I like that line between faith and religion it's a fascinating line that and it's not a it's not a straight line it's actually a squiggly line and it's not even a defined line it can be very blurry at times and it's interesting to, to delve into that. I did it in The Third Secret. I did it in The Templar Legacy. Um, touched on it some in the Alexandria Link, and now I've come back to it in this book. Uh, it's uh, something that deals with religion in this novel that no one's really ever touched before. Uh, I've never seen this particular aspect of it incorporated into a thriller, so I wanted to take uh, one more stab at it. And this book harkens back a lot to The Templar Legacy, which was my biggest selling book, mm -hmm. and it harkens back a lot to that. There's a, there's a lot of the feel of that book in this book, uh, even though it deals with a completely different set of, of situations. There, there is that feel there in it, and you know that was fun to revisit that. 
you'd mentioned the the Holy See. There is, you know, the inner workings of of the Vatican and 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 the Catholic Church has been subject of many, many, many novels and many, and, many. and 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 movies. Uh, what what is it? What is the is the appeal? What is the mystique around the, the Roman Catholic Church? Do you think it's just that there is that mystique, that secrecy, that uh, they they keep things to themselves. And this novel deals with something that really no one has dealt with in a thriller that I'm aware of. It deals with the Vatican Intelligence Service, which is called the Entity. It's the oldest intelligence service in the world. It's regarded as perhaps one of, if not the best in the world. And it's totally secret. They don't even acknowledge it exists. It's run by a cardinal, and it has been protecting the Pope and the Holy See since the time of Elizabeth I in the 17th century, and really the 16th century is when it was first created. So it was fun to delve into that and to deal with it, and I think the readers are going to be somewhat surprised that a, Catholic, a church has an intelligence service. <laughs> And a very active one at that. They've done a, they've done an enormous amount of things over the over the centuries uh, to protect the Pope, and it was fun to deal with that. The secrecy about the Church is probably what's more what intrigues people so much. But there's one thing about the Catholic Church people need to realize: it is not stupid. It knows exactly what it's doing, mm-hmm. and it has not survived for two thousand years by being dumb. I knew this was going to be an interesting book when I opened it, and on the very first page, you include a rather, uh, or you include a quote attributed to Pope Francis that is not without its controversy, to say the least. No, not at all. It's a, it's an amazing <laughs> statement by a pontiff. The Vatican immediately put out conflicting quotes, clarification quotes, all kinds of things to blur it up as much as it could. But it is a rather ph- phenomenal statement to be made by the by a pope. Uh, but it does kind of say it all, and it sets the tone for the novel. Like a lot of of, of Cotton's adventures, it is is a travel log, and I and I know you 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 do uh, your share of, of research, and and location is as much a uh, a character of your of your works, and that's true in this one. So tell us a little bit about you mentioned Malta, and and, um, yeah. and tell us a little bit about the setting you picked for this and the yeah, research that went into it. This was a fun trip to research, actually a fun book to. Uh, we went to uh, Lake Como first, up in northern Italy, to retrace Mussolini's steps when he was trying to escape into Switzerland at the end of World War II. He didn't make it, but there's all still there, all of the place still there. Incredibly, the place where he was shot still is adorned to this day with fresh flowers. Flesh fr- fresh flowers are put there all the time by People don't even know who does it, but there are fresh flowers there that were there the day I was there. It's kind of amazing for a man with such a brutal reputation uh, that people still venerate him in that way. But we traced that route, and we went all up there. It's a beautiful part of the world. And then we went down to Malta. We spent two trips to Malta. It's one of my favorite places in all the world. It's a living history museum. It's like going back to the 16th century. If If folks have never been, I encourage you to take the trip. It is well worth it. You're going to get a good feel of it from the novel because I included a lot of places there. The the co-cathedral in Valletta is, to me, the most beautiful church in the world. Its floor is 400 marble tombs, and folks ought to Google it. Google the floor of the co-cathedral in Valletta and see what I'm talking about. Those tombs figure into the novel's treasure hunt very much. So you're going to get a full run of Malta, and then we're going to end up in the Vatican, uh, behind the scenes in the Vatican. So this is a, an interesting journey for Cotton, an interesting journey for the reader, and an interesting journey that I took as well. The um, 
longtime readers will will recognize the, all the usual suspects in the cast of, of, of characters in this one, but there seems to me there's a, just a little bit different focus. We learn a lot more about Luke Daniels in this book. We do. I wanted Luke to have a little bit bigger role here, and he's growing up. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's a little. He was a little wild and crazy in the first few books because he was doing things that Cotton couldn't do. And now he still does a little bit of that, but he's getting a little more seasoned. He's getting a little more, a little more comfortable in his job, and he's getting a little smarter. And Cotton's beginning to trust him a little bit more. And so, you know, you want your characters to evolve. They can't stay the same. I mean, it would be incredibly boring if they stayed the same. So I have to, they have to adapt. And Luke is doing that. So we learned to, uh, Luke's, Luke's growing up a little bit, and then he'll, uh, he'll probably take a couple of books off now, and then he'll come back in a, in a couple of years. So I, I don't know if you can answer this question without, without giving away a significant plot twist, but what is the origin of the title of this one? Uh, it, <laughs> that I have to be careful about. Uh, the Malta exchange, that word exchange becomes very critical in the novel, no question about it. And, uh, and I, I would hate to say a little bit more because it would give away the surprise. There's a surprise in the book. And I'm hoping it catches the reader off guard. It uh, uh, I know Elizabeth, my wife, she's my first reader of the book when I finished it, and it, and, and she knew nothing about the story. It caught her off guard. So I was able to fool her, so that's pretty good. And uh, I'm hoping the readers, I will catch them off guard. So the Malta Exchange, there's there's a meaning to it, yes. Well, I, I can assure you, I was definitely caught off guard, did not did not see that one uh, mm-hmm. did not that one coming. It okay. certainly is, is, is central to the twists and turns it is. Of, of this one. So um, this one's going to be out in 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 early March. Um, is uh, what's next? Cotton got a new, new adventure on the horizon. He does. I stay stay a year ahead. It's already finished. He's going to head to Poland next. I've been wanting to do an adventure with Cotton in Poland for a long time, and now he's headed there for an, an interesting uh, encounter. Uh, it's called the Warsaw Protocol, and it's going to deal with something very interesting. Uh, that uh, another part of history that I think readers are going to say, wow, I didn't know that. It's going to figure the salt mines outside of Krakow are going to figure very much into the story. So he's back, but the Malt Exchange is out there now. It's in stores, and uh, the folks can can find out about me and those books at uh, steveberry.org. They can check it all out there, and hopefully they'll like Malta, and next year they'll be ready for Warsaw. With this series and with Cotton, and, and uh, you've been at this one a, a while, what what keeps this 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 fresh and, and and exciting for you? Well, that little voice in your head still there. I mean, every writer has a little voice in their head that tells them to write, and I've, I've talked to many many writers; they all tell me the same thing. I have that little voice, so it's that little voice. It's the only thing that keeps you going, and you uh, you drive forward. Hopefully, that little voice will never go quiet. If it does, that's kind of when you're done. But for me, it's still there, and I've got uh, ideas for the next four years, so I'm in pretty good shape, for, you know, for the next four books. After that, we'll see. But they, they, I always worry where the ideas come from, but they usually come. So uh, I'm, I'm okay through like 2022 or so, and uh, <laughs> Cotton can keep going till then. Steve, it's a pleasure as always, and I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. That's Steve Barry, author of The Malta Exchange. It's out this month from Minotaur Books. With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.